Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Nick Scott at our Burragoon campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. The passage we're looking at this morning is um, the conversion of Saul from Saul to Paul, uh, which those of you who know the story will know that it's a, a spectacular and dramatic encounter. Uh, that he has with Jesus that changes his life forever. Just bear that in mind as I just read to you these few verses from Corinthians as we think of coming to the word this morning. And Paul writes this, he says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Father, as we come to your word this morning, Lord, do a work in us, we pray, that would enable us to come with a true understanding of the way things are. That we would come to you with a heart of true humility. That we'd come with that heart that Paul had of, of weakness and fear, of an awareness of our deep dependence upon you. And Lord, this morning we would pray, I would pray, that we would not just go home having just heard another nice message and sung some nice songs, but that we would experience something of your power at work amongst us. Your power at work within us, Lord, that life-transforming power that would seek to have effect in our lives, not leave us as we are, but change us from within. So Lord, this morning I pray for those amongst us who would truly seek after the Lord and not just want their ears tickled with some nice comforting words. Oh, Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand the work of your Spirit in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Thank you to the team. Oh, we're gone already. Welcome to you and... um, this morning we, uh, we're in a new month, but we do continue in the same series through the first part of the book of Acts, which we've, uh, I think, appropriately called By My Spirit. You know, the, um, this, this book of the Bible, uh, it's called Acts, it refers to, uh, to the Acts of the Apostles. But over the years, many people have uh, uh, commented that actually, in reality, it could just as easily have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, it's really what the book is about, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, how those two things intersect. And of course we believe firmly, I hope you do, that the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit continue on uh, in the church today and even in our midst this morning. So we have a reading, Acts 9, and uh, I'm going to ask Noel to read that for us right up front. Thank you, Noel. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptised, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Amen. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? Uh, Probably one of my favourite stories of the New Testament. At some point in our lives, each and every one of us is brought to a place where in some form we ask Saul's question, Who are you, Lord? Is there a God? 
And if there is, can he or she or it be known? What's the relationship, if any, between God and humanity? These are arguably the most fundamentally important questions of life, questions that demand an answer. And your answer will determine not only your eternal destiny, but will also determine the way you live your life now, the way you make decisions, the way you set priorities, the way you conduct your relationships. All those things are affected by your answer to that question. Who are you, Lord? And we all know we live in a society that increasingly identifies as being of no religion, where in growing numbers, Australians identify themselves as atheists or uh, perhaps as agnostic. Um, I've just found a diagram, we'll put it up there, that uh, might be helpful to you in more clearly understanding those terms. That The horizontal axis there is about belief. If you believe in God on the left-hand side there, then you are a theist. If you don't believe in God on the right-hand side, you would describe yourself as an atheist. And then the vertical axis is about knowledge. If you believe that God can be known with certainty, then you would be at the Gnostic end of the spectrum. If you believe that God cannot be known with any certainty, then you would describe yourself as being at the agnostic end. Well, of course, as followers of Jesus, we would position ourselves firmly in that red quadrant, saying, yes, God exists, and yes, God can be known. Uh, there was an early heretical sect called the Gnostics, actually, who believed salvation could be acquired through knowledge, unlike the teaching of the Scriptures. You know, the Bible teaches the only way that God can be known is through revelation of his Son, Jesus. That God reveals himself in Christ, and our salvation is by his grace, not by our works or by our knowledge or by our figuring it out for ourselves. And uh, by the way, if you sitting here this morning would place yourself in one of those other quadrants, then um, welcome. We're glad that you're here amongst us and uh, certainly pray that you would be open to a, a quadrant shift uh, even today. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Are you there? Are you real? Can you be known? When Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they responded by saying, well, you know, some say that you're one of the prophets come back to life. Perhaps Elijah or John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets come back. We could conduct a similar poll around our city. Who do you think Jesus is? I doubt we'd get that same answer, but we would certainly get a range of answers. I would expect those who've heard of Jesus would say things like, oh, well, he was a historical figure. He was a teacher. He was a good man. He was a, a person who uh, lived for others and uh, wanted to help people. Uh, all true and good answers and yet all missed the most important truth. But then in Matthew 16, Jesus personalizes the question in a very direct, direct way. He looks into the eyes of his disciples and he says, yes, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And it's Simon Peter, of course, as always, who pipes up and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jodah. 
For this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This is something that's important for us to understand today, that our faith in God is not something that we inherit from our parents, although that may play a factor in our journey towards the Lord. Our faith in God is not something we figure out for ourselves with our intellect, although our minds certainly are fully engaged in the process of coming to faith. Our faith in God is primarily something that is revealed as God reveals himself to us through his word and through experiences of the Holy Spirit. And too often in the Baptist tradition, our focus has been on the Father, Son and Holy Scriptures. Hopefully not so much in the present, but in the past, the Father, Son and the Holy Scriptures. We're people of the word, which is a good thing, of course, but at times I'd suggest we've not focused enough on the Holy Spirit. Other traditions have been in danger of neglecting the Word of God in favour of a purely experiential faith. But you know, the wisdom of God and mature faith always brings together Word and Spirit in a wonderful way. And our passage in the Word of God today, which is dear to us and important to us and upon which we base our lives and our faith, our passage in the Word today outlines three experiences of the Holy Spirit that we may well have in some form in which we should be completely open to as the sovereign, eternal, unchanging God continues to interact with humanity and with us even today by the power of of his Holy Spirit. So let me just highlight these three experiences of the Holy Spirit that we see in this passage. And the first one is what we might describe as divine encounter. Saul had a divine encounter. And this was, uh, as I've mentioned, a spectacular and undeniably real, life changing God encounter on the road to Damascus. Saul and his men, they're making their way along the road uh, when uh, suddenly and unexpectedly there's this flash of light from heaven. Saul is literally knocked to the ground and here's a voice calling him by name, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Not interestingly, Not why do you persecute my church? Not why do you persecute my followers, my people? No, no, why do you persecute me? So we understand if you attack attack a follower of Jesus, uh, Jesus takes that very personally, it would seem. And so for Saul, it's the divine encounter that then prompts him to find out who this God is, a God that he thought he knew, a God he thought he was serving. Hence the question, Who are you, Lord? I thought you were the God that I was serving as a Jew and as a Pharisee. But who are you, God? Who are you, Lord? And the answer is immediate. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. No doubt, a terrifying moment of realization and understanding and revelation for Saul to realise that he'd been actively and violently opposing the almighty God himself. What a moment for him in his life. 
Well, we know the story. Saul's life was forever changed. He became probably the most prominent figure in the New Testament church. Anyone who comes to faith in Christ has a divine encounter of some description. Now, I don't know about you, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's had a divine encounter quite like Saul's, with lights you know, flashing from heaven and audible voices. I did know a guy in Adelaide whose testimony was that as an avowed atheist, which he had been all his life to that point, he was walking across a field, minding his own business, and all he can say, he finds it hard to put into words, but all he can say is he had an encounter, a divine encounter with God as he walked across that field. Undeniably, an atheist. Such was the impact of the divine encounter that at that moment he literally turned around in this sort of symbolic prophetic act and began to walk back the other way. A spectacular divine encounter. Undeniably a divine encounter. His life was never the same again as a result of meeting Jesus. He ended up being principal of the Bible college where I did my studies. But everyone's experience of divine encounter is different. And if you've come to faith in God through Jesus Christ, then I'd encourage you even now to reflect back on how that happened for you. How did you meet Jesus? And for some, it's like, you know, flicking a light switch. They would say, well, the Lord met me and it's as though I went from living my life fumbling about in the dark to suddenly a light going on. And I could see that others around me were still in darkness, but a light went on for me, just in like, a, like a switch going on, and my life was changed in that instant. Maybe that was your experience, last week or 50 years ago, whenever it was. Well, that wasn't my experience. Others, like me, would say that actually their divine encounter was more like the, the rising of the dawn, you ever had that experience of being up before dawn and being out and about in the open air in the dark and as you're just going about life wandering around doing what you're doing you over time gradually realize that it's light and actually the sun has come up and you can't identify a specific moment in time when that happened but you know that you know that you know that you were in the darkness And now you're in the light. And so your divine encounter may not be as spectacular as Saul's, but it's no less real and no less valid. So beware of people who insist that you must have a particular type of conversion experience. Let me say the right way to come to faith in Jesus is whatever way God brings you to that revelation of faith. Don't fall into the trap of comparing or rating your experience against others. And understand that some will speak in tongues and others won't. Some will fall down under the power of the Holy Spirit and others won't. Some will laugh or shake or cry or feel the hair on the backs of their necks tingle. Others will not experience any of those things. The wonderful thing is that God doesn't seem to take a cookie-cutter approach. 
And so what really matters is your personal divine encounter with Jesus and the fruit your life bears as a result. So two important questions to think of this morning. One, have I met Jesus? That, friends, is an important question of life. Have I met Jesus? Or am I a church attender? Still seeking for something. Have I met Jesus? And the second question, is my life bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in increasing measure? I hope so. I hope you can answer yes to that question. Well, the second experience of the Holy Spirit that Saul had in this passage is the experience of divine appointment. And uh, in the story, you have a divine encounter taking place over here on the road to Damascus. And then a short time later, you have another divine encounter taking place, this time in the life of a man named Ananias. And the Lord appears to Ananias in a vision, gives him a very specific instruction about where to go and what to do. And the purpose of the Lord in this set of instructions, in this set of circumstances, is to set up a divine appointment between these two people, to bring them together in order to establish Saul's ministry and to strengthen and encourage the church, which is exactly what we happened if we read ahead in the story to verse 31. The Lord brings these two people together by divine appointment for his sovereign purposes. And God continues to do this today for those who have ears to hear and who are walking in step with the Spirit. He brings people together by divine appointment to bring about his sovereign purposes. He does. He does it. I know I've had numbers of experiences in my life where I know that God has engaged me in divine appointments. Sometimes I only recognize that with the benefit of hindsight, mind you. As I look back, you might be the same. I see the way certain things have come about. I see the hand of God strategically connecting me with certain people in unexpected ways for his purposes. Sometimes I don't see it at all, but others say to me, you know, when you said this to me, I knew that God was speaking to me and it was a strong confirmation of his direction in my life. Well, Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him and what he will direct your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. He will direct the pathway of your life. The Lord directed Saul's path. The Lord directed Ananias' path. He caused those paths to intersect. He can direct your path as well and he will as you seek to follow him and as you seek to walk in step with the Spirit of God in your life. He'll cause your path to strategically intersect with the paths of others. Last week, Peter reminded us from Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared works for you. He's prepared them in advance. You don't need to invent them. You just need to discover them. Peter said last week, God will reveal them. And many of those good works will involve divinely arranged appointments that God will miraculously and sovereignly set up. Consider for a moment the street where you live, the people who live around you in your immediate neighbourhood. You know, Margie and I have been in the same house for about 13 years now. We've had various neighbours come and go. 
We've met some lovely people. Gee, there have been some oddballs amongst them, though. Some difficult neighbours we've had. Difficult people. Why, Lord? Why us? Why them? Some neighbours have been friendly. Others have made it very clear they'd rather just be left alone. (laughs) We've done our best to be good neighbours and to be a good witness by our attitudes, to be generous, to be open, to be friendly, to be hospitable. And over the years, I've had numbers of conversations that I would say fall into this category of divine appointment. Conversations about spiritual things, even over the fence. People haven't come to faith, but you know what? God is at work. And sometimes you're just a link in the chain, and you'll never know the final result, the final impact of your words. Could it be that the Lord has strategically placed you? The answer is yes, by the way. Could it be that the Lord has strategically placed you in the street where you live because he has a divine appointment for you with one of your neighbours, an appointment of eternal significance? Could it be, and the answer is yes again, that he strategically placed you in your workplace for that same reason? Every day you have opportunity to interact with people for your lives, to intersect with others, with neighbours, with work colleagues, with school friends, with gym connections. Incidentally, that only happens if you go to the gym. (laughs) Not part of my experience, as you can see. But let me encourage you to pray for the people who live around you, for the people you work with, people you study with, to show them the love And the kindness of God. You know, Romans says it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Show people the kindness of God. And be on the lookout for divine appointments. God loves these people. God loves my neighbour. Who I find difficult. I have a difficult, I have a couple of difficult neighbours. But I remind myself often that God loves them. So I need to show them the love of God. It may be that through you, he wants to get their attention. And we're blessed to live in this rich cafe culture here in Perth. How easy it is to say to someone, hey, why don't we grab a cup of coffee sometime? Let's go and grab a coffee. Instead of just talking over the fence, let's go and get a coffee. It may be even this morning, the Lord might prompt you to arrange a time to meet someone for coffee in what could well end up being a divine appointment. Even here in the Infuse Cafe. Little advertisement there. (laughs) Third experience of the Holy Spirit in this passage that we may well have in some form is divine healing. Now bear in mind that in this story, this is a terrifying experience for Ananias. You know, going into the house where Saul was, it's like going into the house of Attila the Hun or, you know, wandering into Osama bin Laden's cave. I mean, Saul was a scary guy. He had a reputation of violence and hatred towards Christians. I mean, he was feared and for good reason. It makes it all the more amazing that Ananias greets Saul with the words, Brother Saul. It's beautiful. Maybe he's hoping that might sort of smooth things over a bit. <laughs> Brother Saul. What a beautiful and gracious way for that meeting to begin. Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the simplicity of that. Uh, immediately, he could see again. Instant healing. Don't we, wouldn't we love to see that? I love to see that. There's no long, drawn-out process. There's no magic formula, no three-hour prayer meeting trying to convince God to heal. But immediately, Saul could see again. Divine healing. Well, many of us have had the experience of praying fervently for healing, sometimes for years and years, and not seeing the result that we are praying for. Not immediately, sometimes not at all. And so we're discouraged, we're very discouraged, even disillusioned, we're disappointed with God. Ever had those kinds of thoughts? I'm disappointed. Our faith can be rocked by those experiences of seemingly unanswered prayer. And then to add insult to injury, some will tell us that we don't have enough faith. It's our fault, actually, that this person's not healed. That's a horrible thing. Well, if you're one of those people who's been left disappointed that your prayers for healing have not been answered in the way you'd hoped, we encourage you this morning not to lose heart and not to give up praying for healing for people. Don't give up. (laughs) Don't give up. Let me encourage you not to put your faith in the amount of faith you have, but rather to put your faith in the God of divine healing. He is the healer. And you may not see it immediately. You may not see it in your lifetime. You may not get the answer you want in the timing you want. But have faith. Have faith that God is at work in your circumstances in ways that you cannot see or understand. God is at work. And it's not for you to heal people. It's the work of God. It doesn't depend upon you. It depends upon God. And divine healing takes many forms. Physical healing is the one we most often focus on. We want the blind to see. We want the deaf to hear. We want the lame to walk. We want all of that to happen instantly. But God is also in the business of healing painful memories, the pain of abuse, the pain of hurtful words, the pain of broken relationships, the pain of disappointment, the pain of discouragement. God's in the business of healing. As we close this morning, let me encourage you to ask the Lord for divine healing. Ask him, either for yourself or even better, for someone else. Ask him for healing for someone else, physical healing, Emotional healing, healing of a broken relationship. Ask the Lord this morning if you would be so bold for divine appointments that he might set up 
as a part of those works that he's set up for you in advance. Ask the Lord for divine encounter. Whether you've had divine encounter before or not, especially if not. If you're sitting here this morning thinking, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in one of those other quadrants. I don't know if God can be known. I don't know if there is a God. Ask him this morning for divine encounter. Let's come before him in prayer. Lord Jesus, we read in your word that uh, you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we understand, Lord, and we believe by faith that you, as our God, are the same. The one who met Saul on the road to Damascus. That that same Jesus is present here with us this morning. Same Jesus. You are the same. Your power is the same. You are unchanging. And you continue to meet people where they're at. Lord, I pray this morning... You'd be at work in the hearts of people that there would be divine encounter. Lord, that even this morning you'd be prompting people in their hearts, in their minds, in their thoughts with divine appointments that you are setting up with people that they don't even yet know about. Lord, help us to learn together and to understand together what it means to walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God and be walking through life with our eyes open to those divine encounters. And Father, this whole area of divine healing, well, we find this difficult. We find it hard to understand. We don't know, Lord, why some are healed and some are not. We recognize this is a complex area, but we come with simple faith this morning. And Lord, we all know people who we would recognize, even sitting around us, who are in need of a touch of your divine healing, physical healing, healing from sickness, healing from cancer, Emotional healing, healing from the pain of wounding of things in the past that continue to affect us and haunt us today. Oh, Lord, you are the healer. And we call upon your name this morning and ask you, Lord, that you would bring that experience. We just see this experience that Saul had of divine healing. Scales fell off his eyes. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus for divine healing right across this place and in the lives of those around us, those nearby, those far off, who we lift before you by name. We name them, Lord, in our hearts this morning. We name them before you and ask that you come and that you act and that you heal, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.